Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Last time we were together, it was Easter Sunday morning. What an incredible time we had to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact that we get to celebrate him continually is such a powerful thing for us. Uh, when we think back about Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Christ, one of the things that, uh, that people have kind of in their mind in the timeline of what Jesus did after the resurrection, a lot of people kind of have this idea that the resurrection happened, and then just a few days later, Jesus ascended back to heaven to be with his Father in glory. Uh, but that's not the case. If you read in the book of Acts, you find that there is a period of time that Jesus spent with his disciples, and he spent teaching people again and giving a, a lot of evidence of his resurrection. In fact, there's 40 days there that Jesus spends on earth after his resurrection, and he hangs out with his disciples. And so here's what we're going to see when we read in Acts chapter 1. If you have a Bible and want to turn there with me, we're going to look at the first 11 verses here, and then uh, later we're going to look at a couple of other passages. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, if you're an OCD person and you follow along on our app, you're going to see notes today. There's a really strong chance we're not going to get to all of them. All right, so uh, we'll pick back up if the Holy Spirit kind of leads this morning and where we're supposed to stop. Uh, but if, if we don't get all the way through, we'll pick back up there next week. But here's where we're going to be in this morning, Acts chapter 1. And uh, Luke records this. He writes and says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. What is his former book? What's well, the gospel of Luke? So it's the story of Jesus from Luke's account. He says, that was my former book. Now I'm writing a new one, Theophilus, and here's what I want you to know. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken back from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And so as Luke writes and records this, there's several things that we see here. Number one, he tells us in this period of time that Jesus is with his disciples, these 40 days, he gives many convincing proofs that he's alive. Like he keeps showing up in places where they are. He will appear to the disciples in some small locations. He'll appear to a group of over 500 people at one point in time. And so when you hear people that might 
say some things to go, well, Jesus never rose from the grave. There's no significance or background to that. There's nothing that verifies that. That's not true. Jesus had so many eyewitnesses of his life after death uh, that it's incredible. And so and also people might say, well, people just hallucinated that. Like they had just gone through something tragic and so they were hallucinating Jesus being with him. Well, that's kind of crazy because you might have a hallucination, but all of you might not have the same hallucination at the same time. And 500 people don't have the same hallucination at the same time. Jesus keeps showing up. He keeps giving them evidence of his resurrection. And many of the times that we see Jesus doing something, he's got another proof of his resurrection. And Luke actually tells us about it here in Acts chapter 1. He says what? He was eating with them. Right? Like that's something that you do in a physical body. Jesus would meet with his disciples and he would share a meal with them. So he gives these convincing proofs that he's alive. But then the second thing that we find here is that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Right? So that's an important piece of what we're going to be looking at, especially as we start this new series. Uh, if you have limited time with someone, you are both intentional and strategic about what you're going to share with them right? If you know I have a limited period of time and I've got some things that I want to make sure you grasp before I leave, you're going to do everything you can in that window of time to express intentional uh, things to them. And you're going to be very strategic about that. Where are my teachers in the room? Hey, church, watch this. Hey, teachers, how many days of school are left? What? 30. All right. So we got a number. We got five weeks. We got like, it is... Five Mondays. There you go. Like they know, right? It is like we know. Tomorrow is five Mondays. Next week will be four Mondays, right? It's like we know. We know how many days are left. We know if you asked a teacher in the hallway today, they would go, hey, we don't just know how many days are left. We know how many days between now and testing for the end of the year that we have how many? One day. day. All right. Y'all be praying for teachers and praying for kids. All right. So here's the deal. They're going to go, guess what? I've got one more day to give you everything I possibly can. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be strategic. There is not going to be a minute of class in these people's classrooms tomorrow that is not intentional and strategic as they try to get out the content they want their kids to get, right? And so when you see this, Jesus is doing the same thing. He's going, I know it's a short period of time before I leave and go back to the Father. And so in this window of time, I've got 40 days that I'm going to give you something. What is Jesus going to be focused on? He's going to be focused on the kingdom of God. That's his entire focus. Like he is going to be focused in. In fact, Jesus is obsessed about talking about the kingdom of God. He is going to make sure that every conversation comes back to this. Here's what I want you to know. The kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God means this. The kingdom of God is specifically this. Like he wants his disciples to get it. And we're going to see why that conversation is so important to Jesus in just a little, excuse me, in just a little while. But this isn't a new aspect of Jesus's teaching. Like when you read this, you don't go, well, Jesus spent three years talking about lots and lots and lots of stuff. And then after his resurrection for 40 days, he went, okay, guys, now for 40 days, I really want to impact to your life, the kingdom of God. No, Jesus's entire ministry was focused on teaching about the kingdom of God. Everything Jesus does can be tied back to the kingdom of God that I want you to know what kind of kingdom I'm inviting you into. I want you to know who you're going to be as citizens of the kingdom that I'm giving to you as you come into my 
father's house. And so Mark 1 and Matthew chapter 4 tell us that when Jesus started preaching, his message was short and sweet, right? Uh, And some of you would be like, this would be my favorite sermon of all time. So, you know, Pastor Joel, I'm thankful for you getting up here and preaching, but if you did this, it'd be awesome. And so here's Jesus's first message. Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's pray, right? That's the sermon. We're out of here. We'll sing another song maybe if you guys want to, but we're done. Like Jesus just goes, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Right? So it's powerful that the very first thing out of Jesus's mouth in his public ministry is the kingdom of God has come near. So Jesus does some things in this message and it's short and sweet, but it packs a punch. And so listen to some things you can draw out of this. Number one, Jesus identifies the kingdom as belonging to God. It's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. The kingdom of God has come near, right? This is God's kingdom. He is sovereign over this kingdom. He rules over it. Then he says the kingdom has come near, not in location necessarily, but in culture. And we're going to talk about that more throughout the course of the series and hopefully in just a few minutes, but we're going to get this, that it's not just about location, but it's about a culture that Jesus is introducing. Then number three, to gain access to the kingdom, he says you have to repent and believe the good news. So if you want to be part of the kingdom that Jesus is so passionate about, that he is so intent on teaching, he goes, you've got to repent and believe the good news. So when we think about repentance, that's not just saying, I'm sorry. Ever been in a place where you've done something wrong and you had to say, I'm sorry to someone? Uh, That's remorse. I'm sorry. I did that. Or I'm sorry I got caught doing that. I don't even know if I'm sorry that I did it, but I'm sorry I got caught doing it, right? Like there's remorse in being sorrowful over something. That's not repentance, Repentance is changing your mind so that you change your direction. It's changing your mindset. It's changing the way you think so that you go in a totally different direction in life. That you're going, I'm so sorry that I did that. I want to make sure I never do that again. I'm going to course correct and go in an entirely different direction. It's a 180. He goes, that's what repentance means. So Jesus calls us to repent and believe the good news, that we have to change our minds because the ways of God's kingdom don't line up with the way that we think about kingdom. We think about kingdom, we think about empires and power and authority and strength. And Jesus is going, my kingdom is so much different than that. And we're going to hit on that some more in just a few minutes. But then the last thing he says is you need to believe the good news. So repent and believe the good news. So in the Roman world, when a ruler had a son they would send messengers out all over the kingdom to proclaim what they called the evangelion, right? We get our word evangelist or evangelism from this. It's literally translated good news. That the, the empire, the ruler, the king will send out messengers all over the kingdom to say, hey, there's good news. There's a new ruler that's come. My son has been born into this world, and my rule and my reign is going to continue on even after I'm gone. And for some people, they'll be like, well, that's not such good news, depending on who the ruler was, right? You're going, yeah, we kind of don't want your rule and your reign to continue on. But that's what they would say. They would say, the good news is I've had a son. He's going to rule and reign and bring my kingdom to bear in this world even after I'm gone. This is the same thing that the gospels point to. When we talk about the gospels, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the declaration that God has sent his son to this world, to us, to let us know that his kingdom rule and reign 
has not ended because of the effects of sin in our world. That he has sent a ruler to come into the world to guide us to know what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. And so we're going to be exploring this for the next several weeks and just talking about what it means to be citizens of the kingdom. And the focus and emphasis that Jesus had in his earthly ministry was introducing the ideas of God's kingdom to everybody who would listen. And to go, I want you to know what God's kingdom is all about. I want you to know that there is something significant here, but it is so upside down to the way that you think about kingdom. In fact, in Jesus' setting, where are they? They're in the Roman Empire. Right? They're living in Israel, but Rome is in control. And so the Roman Empire is spread out all over the whole world. What do we know about the Roman Empire? It's powerful. It's vast. But do they do things out of mercy and grace? No, they do things out of authority and power and self-sustaining. They want to rule continually. And they're vicious they're mean, and, and they do all kinds of things to hurt other people. And so the idea of kingdom or empire in our eyes in the world is to have power and authority and control and influence. But God's kingdom looks a lot more like self-denial and mercy and compassion. It looks like grace. It looks like people saying, I'm going to be poor in spirit. I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to lay down my life for others. Jesus goes, that's what my kingdom is about. It's providing justice for the poor. It's inviting the aliens in, the strangers. It's taking care of the widows and the orphans. It's not trampling on people that are less than you in order to, to elevate you. It's taking the people who are less than you and making them more important than you. And what Jesus is going to do throughout his ministry is he's going to just teach on the kingdom that flips our views upside down about what it means to be citizens of a kingdom. And so here's the first thing that we need to understand. If you're taking notes this morning, you'll see this on your app or you can write this down. But the first thing that we see about the kingdom of Jesus that he's talking about is this. The kingdom is a culture that Jesus unleashed on the earth. That's the starting point of the kingdom. And a lot of people have this idea that the kingdom of God is a location. Uh, and in fact, when we think about maybe even the kingdom of God as being like heaven, and when I get to heaven, then I'll be under the rule and the reign of Christ and be under the rule and reign of God. Like that is his dwelling place. And when I get to heaven, we will be perfectly in the rule and reign of Christ. God is not ruling and reigning on earth right now, but he will one day. And that's one of the things that we kind of struggle and balance in some tension here. Uh, and we're going to talk about this throughout this series that we're going to deal with this tension of going that the kingdom of God is a now but not yet kingdom that Jesus has come to introduce God's kingdom in culture to this world but the eternal dwelling of God with his people has not come yet that's to come that God will bring his kingdom to the earth that he will recreate the heavens of the earth that he will bring his kingdom about on the earth and that we will rule and reign with God forever in his physical location kingdom but when Jesus comes and talks about the kingdom, he's not saying the kingdom of God is right here. Look at it, guys. Here's the castle. Here's the moat. Here's the, you know, the guards. Here's all the stuff that's about God's kingdom. He goes, I want to bring in my culture of the kingdom of heaven to the earth. And so I want to bring about things like mercy and peace and grace and harmony and truth. I want to bring these things to play. I want to bring self-sacrifice. I want to bring righteousness. And so the kingdom of God is about all of these things. It's here 
in culture, but it's not here in location yet. But even after Jesus spends 40 days with his disciples, we see this kind of mentality still in their minds. That Jesus has spent 40 days with his disciples, he's taught to them about the kingdom of heaven, and yet when we get to verse 6, where we were in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, Then they all gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? God, is this when you're going to bring us back to power? Are you going to get rid of Rome? Are you going to establish Israel again? Is it going to be like the days of David and Solomon where we've got the kingdom and when we're in charge and where we get to rule and we'll give you a throne right here on earth in Jerusalem and we'll be your magistrates and we'll do all of the stuff that kingdom kind of people do? Is this the time, Jesus, that you're going to give the kingdom back to Israel? And look at what Jesus said. It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, yes, and in all Judea, that's part of Israel, yes, and Samaria, that's kind of some outskirts of, of Israel. It was a part of Israel. Now it's kind of a mixed conglomeration of some people that live there, and also to the ends of the earth. Like Jesus is going, my kingdom is not limited to Jerusalem. It's not limited to Judea. It's not limited to Samaria. It is going to be a kingdom that permeates the whole earth. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God's culture, the culture of God's kingdom to the entire world. And you're going to help me introduce that. But Jesus tells them, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come before you go out talking about this kingdom. Because obviously, guys, you don't get it yet. Like after my entire ministry with you, and after these 40 days after my resurrection, talking about the kingdom, you're still focused on Israel as the kingdom. You're still focused on putting a throne in Jerusalem. That's your focus. You're wanting to build an empire, and I want to spread out a kingdom that's going to permeate the whole earth. So don't do anything for now. Go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Here's the translation. If you guys go and start talking about the kingdom in your power and in your understanding without the Spirit of God in you, it's going to be a mess. You're going to lead people to the wrong kingdom. They're going to miss the kingdom of God and they're going to go after the kingdom of the disciples. They're going to go after the kingdom that you have in mind and miss the kingdom that God has for them. So because you guys go back to Jerusalem and wait. Now, it's been 40 days. And here's what we know in Scripture. When does the Spirit of God fall on the disciples? After they go back into Jerusalem and they pray. Pentecost. All right? Pentecost was a celebration of the Jewish people. It was a feast that they celebrated. So from Passover to Pentecost was 50 days. All right? Penta means 50, right? So we've got these 50 days between Passover and Pentecost. And when Jesus says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem... Here's what Acts tells us that they did when they went back there. They all joined together, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So here's what we get from Scripture. Jesus spends 40 days with his disciples talking about the kingdom of God. They go, well, is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of Israel going to be restored now? Jesus goes, that's not for you to know the time or the dates, but my kingdom is going to come, it's going to be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But here's what I want you guys to do. Go back to the city and wait for the Holy Spirit. And then what do we find in Acts? Luke says they went back and for those 10 days, between the 40 days that Jesus spent with them and the next 10 before Pentecost comes, it says that they went to Jerusalem and they prayed. 
right? They spend 10 days in unceasing prayer. And they don't do anything except wait for Jesus. So let me give you guys just a little look ahead of what we're going to be doing as a church. This series is focusing on the kingdom of God. We just had Easter. So for the next 40 days, for the next several Sundays, we're going to be looking at what Jesus talked about with the kingdom of God in this period of time. Then when we get to Pentecost, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit coming to the church. We're going to talk about what does it mean to know the Holy Spirit, have a relationship with him and his role in advancing the kingdom through the church. All right. So we're going to do a series focused on the Holy Spirit. But in the 10 days before Pentecost, we're going to, as a church, call you to prayer. We're going to call you as a church to 10 days of unceasing prayer. In one-hour windows, we're going to ask people to sign up to pray for an hour. So that means 24 hours a day, 10 days, 240 one-hour slots. All right? We have 240 people in our church. We can do this without anybody even having to do it twice. You can pray as much as you want to, but we want to fill every hour of every day for 10 days until Pentecost with our church crying out to God and just saying, let us know the power that you sent on the disciples. Let us know that same power. It is alive and well in us, but sometimes we don't tap into it like we're supposed to. And so we're going to spend 10 days as a church just praying and asking God to pour out his spirit in a fresh and new way, not just for our benefit, but what is the kingdom about? It's about permeating a culture. We want to be a place that God can bring his spirit's power to play in the lives of believers so that we can go out into our community and make a change and make an impact for the kingdom, bringing the culture that Jesus desired to Kingsport. We want to be a church that's praying for God to unleash his power in us so that when we leave this place and we go out into our community, we're focused on the kingdom of God. That we're saying we want to see an impact for the kingdom of God in Grace Fellowship Church. And we want to not have that limited to just us where we're like, didn't, wasn't that awesome that we just got to experience that? Like, look, about 300 people got to experience something really powerful and incredible. But let's keep it to ourselves and don't tell anybody. We had this incredible experience with the Holy Spirit. We don't want that. We want to be a church that's going to take a movement of God to our community and say this is about life transformation. It's about community transformation. That's what we want to be about. So this morning, I want us to quickly define what God's kingdom is. And then probably we're going to look at the next teaching next week. Uh, But here's how we would define The kingdom of God. And I took this from a man named George Ladd. He says this the kingdom is primarily the dynamic reign or the kingly rule of God. And derivatively, it's the sphere in which his rule is experienced. Right? So George Ladd would say, where the rule and the reign of God is, that's where the kingdom is. It is not limited to a location in heaven or a future location when God will bring heaven to earth when he will recreate the earth and establish his kingdom here. We're not waiting for that day to experience the kingdom. The kingdom has come near. Jesus said that. The kingdom is in you and I. Jesus taught us that. So as we are experiencing God's kingdom, we're bringing the culture of the kingdom to earth so that we introduce people to the glory and the majesty of God. So wherever God's rule and God's reign is, 
That's where the kingdom is. So when God rules and reigns in your heart, you take the kingdom to work with you tomorrow. You take the kingdom into your neighborhood this afternoon. You take the kingdom into the grocery store with you tomorrow when you go shopping for groceries or this week when you go shopping for groceries or if you bail out like we do and just do the Walmart app and pull up to the side of the thing and let them bring your groceries to you. That's fine, right? But talk to that person and be kind to them and bring the kingdom of God to that place, right? Wherever you go, if the rule and reign of Jesus is taking place in your heart and in your life, you bring the kingdom. We are meant to shine light into darkness, We are meant to be little image bearers of Jesus that bring his kingdom to play in this world wherever we go. And so even in the darkness of our world, there's light that's shining. And the Bible tells us that the dark cannot overcome the light. The dark is not winning, church. We get that mentality a lot of times where we're just like, man, it is woe is me. And we just got to wait on that kingdom location because that's when we'll be free of all the dark and the mess and the sin and the evil. And then we can just focus on being a part of God's glory and his kingdom and his location. And God's going, man, the dark is not winning. The church is going to prevail. And Jesus told that. I mean, like we looked at that several weeks ago with Peter when Jesus took them to Caesarea Philippi and showed them the location called the gates of hell. And Peter makes the declaration, you're the Christ, you're the son of God. And Jesus goes, that's right. And on that declaration, Peter, the kingdom is going to advance and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Too many times we're living with this defeatist attitude, like the kingdom is not going to ever come. And we're just living in the muck of this world. And we are just constantly entwined in sin and evil and darkness. And we just get so caught up in the dark that we forget that there's a light inside of us that's way more powerful than the dark. And that we're supposed to be taking the kingdom of God into this world and showing light to the world. We're not defeated, church. We're not just waiting for the next thing. If you're living your life just going, well, just buckle up now and get through all the sin and the dark and the evil in the world, and one day God will make it all right, and then we can just be free and celebrate and rejoice. God didn't create us for that. He created us to go to the world today and bring his kingdom to bear. His kingdom rules and it reigns. So go and shine the light of Christ. Go and make the impact for his glory. That's what God has called us to. And then let me give you two last things, and we're going to wrap this up. Here's what we need to know about the kingdom of God today. Number one, there is a king who establishes the kingdom, and he reigns with sovereignty. Phil, you can go ahead and come back up, man. We're going to sing one last song together this morning, but I want to get these last two just thoughts in before we do. There's a king who establishes the kingdom, and he reigns with sovereignty. It is the kingdom of God. It's his kingdom. He's established it. He's put it into place, and he reigns over it with sovereignty. And then number two, God invites us to be citizens of the kingdom and to live under the rule and reign of the king. So God has established a kingdom, and he has given us the call to be a part of it. He's invited you and I to have a role to play in his kingdom. He says, you get to be citizens, but it's not your kingdom And it's not even your ideas of what the kingdom is. This is why we have to go back to scripture. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be learning what did Jesus teach about the kingdom. But a great starting point for us this week is just this. 
It is God's kingdom. And he's sovereign and rules over it all. And he invites us to be citizens of his kingdom and to be under his rule and his reign. And a lot of times we might go, well, I think I know better than God. I think I've got a different or a better plan or idea than God. Or some of us might go, I know what God says, but I just don't want to do it. And I'm going to reject the things of God. The passage that we looked at that Miss Donna read this morning was from Isaiah. And Isaiah says, God planted a vineyard. It's his people. And he established it to be perfect and good and to bear fruit. But here's what we saw. The grapes that he intended to be strong and to look like his kingdom, they ended up being bad. They weren't useful. They weren't helpful. And at the end of Isaiah, it says, the people that God had established to carry his culture had become obsessed with bloodshed and injustice. They didn't look like God. Although they had been given everything to succeed in his kingdom rule and reign, they rejected him as king and they went away from his authority. And because of that, they got obsessed with injustice and bloodshed rather than bringing God's kingdom to bear in the world. And so we, may we not be people who miss the idea of a sovereign king who's invited us to be a part of his kingdom, to have a relationship with him, and through our relationship with him, to go out and change the world. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.